Though the human termites made their burrows and consumed with avid mouths all that was soft and corruptible, the church could not be eroded. Its massive buttresses were implacable. The saints in its stained-glass windows turned their backs on the hordes in the streets and gazed upon the pious with tender eyes. Those outside could not see in, and those inside were insulated from the human transgressions which rolled endlessly against the walls as the waves of the ocean roll against the rocks of the shore. They became blind and deaf to the swell of sin. The silence in the church was almost absolute. Only the occasional whispers of a member of the clergy or a parishioner or the puny efforts of the organ interrupted the vast stillness. I'm not sure at what point in my life I began to sneak into St Martin's to spend my nights within the safety of its walls. Perhaps I was four years old, perhaps I was five, but it frequently served as my refuge in times of trial. I had several hiding places. One was under the altar itself, though as I grew older I feared the wrath of God for treating the holy sanctuary with such irreverence. I dared not go near it when certain clergy were on duty, for if they were to catch me I feared their wrath would be as awful as that of the Lord. Another, somewhat colder bolt hole was behind a statue of St Peter, though eventually I grew too big to fit into the little space between him and the wall. But I liked St Peter's kind face, and I talked to him sometimes at night when I was alone there in the dark. The other safe spot was the high pulpit, used by the clergy only on the most solemn occasions. It contained a small prayer cushion, which made a pleasant pillow, and it was nearly as warm as under the altar. Many a time I curled up in there and waited for the night to pass. In time, I learned the habits and idiosyncrasies of the holy men who served the Lord in St Martin's. The rector was the Reverend Mr Cartwright, a Christ-like man indeed, who moved about the church shrouded in such an air of piety that few dared approach him. He had a fine and haughty face and stood in the high pulpit on Sundays like an eagle on a crag, gazing through the air as though taking no notice of anyone, yet at the same time giving the impression that he saw every detail of every life of those doomed and sinful souls seated before him. Oh, the congregation paid him such attention. They dared not look away. He preached a fine sermon, even though I really understood a word of it. So grand was his eloquence and so elevated his thoughts. I doubt that the Reverend Mr Cartwright had any more real regard for us poor folk than he did for the mouse who lived in the vestry and made his meals from the crumbs in Reverend Mr Haddock's cupboard. Reverend Mr Haddock was always at food, which was the salvation of the mouse, for he would have not survived otherwise. Many a time it was my salvation too, for he not infrequently left unfinished food on a low wooden ledge below his cupboard. I had to compete with the mouse for these suppers, and if I was a little late, I had to brush his little black pellets away before I could consume the victuals. As time went on, I noticed that Reverend Mr Haddock left food behind only when he was the last to leave the church at nights, the one charged with locking the building. I did not know why he was so careless on these occasions, 
but to a child with an empty stomach, alone in the great dark building, the comfort derived from a few slices of bread, a piece of sausage, or a couple of baked potatoes was like a benediction from the Lord himself. Reverend Mr. Haddock was a big man, which was not to be wondered at, but he moved about the church quickly and quietly with a surprising energy. I felt that the people laughed at him a little, for his ways were eccentric, and he was rarely charged with preaching a sermon or administering important services. Matins and Compline often fell to his lot. Yet he was always kind. Sometimes at night, when he believed he was alone, he would talk to himself in a voice louder than one was accustomed to hearing in that place of silence. Perhaps he did it because he was lonely and even a little afraid, for at such times he often spoke words of comfort. Five minutes.